Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London, and thank you for joining us for this act of worship during the season of Lent. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support the cost of these online services, you will find details in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with you all as our worship begins. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Lord be with you. Please be seated. A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the second Sunday of the season of Lent. Wherever you are in the world and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. Let us come to the Lord who is full of compassion and acknowledge our transgressions in penitence and faith. Almighty God, 
Our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you show to those who are in error the light of your truth, that they may return to the way of righteousness. Grant to all those who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's religion that they may reject those things that are contrary to their profession and follow all such things as are agreeable to the same. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who curses you I will curse and by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. This is the word of the Lord.
A reading from the letter to the Romans. What then shall we say about Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, his wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as his due. And to one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. The promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void, for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is the word of the Lord.
Hear the Gospel according to John. One of the Pharisees, called Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish council, came to Jesus by night. Rabbi, he said, we know that you are a teacher sent by God. No one could perform these signs of yours unless God were with him. Jesus answered, In very truth, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he has been born again. But how can someone be born when he is old? asked Nicodemus. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, In very truth, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born from water and spirit. Flesh can give birth only to flesh. It is spirit that gives birth to spirit. You ought not to be astonished when I say, you must all be born again. The wind blows where it wills. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born from the spirit. How is this possible? asked Nicodemus. You, a teacher of Israel and ignorant of such things, said Jesus. In very truth, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, and yet you all reject our testimony. If you do not believe me when I talk to you about earthly things, how are you to believe if I should talk about the things of heaven? No one has gone up into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, in order that everyone who has faith may in him have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who has faith in him may not perish but have eternal life. It was not to judge the world that God sent his Son into the world, but that through him the world might be saved. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Father, would you put your words upon my lips? Today we continue in Lent, and the name of my talk is The Man Who Came By Night. It must have looked very suspicious, an elderly man probably dressed in some finery perhaps, sneaking around the darkened streets. His name was Nicodemus, and I admire him greatly, and I will tell you why. He was a Jewish aristocrat, very well educated in religious law, wealthy and with a great deal to lose, much more than just his dignity. He was like a very wealthy Oxford professor perhaps, someone who was used to having the answers, to not being challenged and probably someone stuck in their ways. He was one of the great leaders of the Jewish people, of the Pharisees, whose credo was this. If God's written word was perfect, as is God, then it must have everything in it we need to live a godly life in minute detail. And so they unpacked 
and unpicked the word and applied it everywhere with rules and regulations. They took principles and turned them into legalism. A principle like keep the Sabbath holy and do not work on that day led them into wondering what counts as work. Generations wrote tens of thousands of words and lists, each codifying what work is, ever more specific. And so to tie a knot, for instance, is work if it's tied with two hands, but tied with one hand is not work. I don't denigrate this, I think I really understand it. It was a desire, a longing for holiness. But this great legal mind, Nicodemus, on this night, can't rest because he has begun to have doubts. He has a very modern question. What does it take to be close to God? And stacked up behind that question are others that we might have, like, what is the character of God? As someone once said to me, if I want to believe in God, What's in it for me? It's a good question. Of course, the problem with legalism is that it cannot answer the simplest, most childish, but most important question. What is love? Love doesn't do well when confronted with legalism. Maybe another question might be, what is God's love like? Again, the rules won't help. It's like this, you can list every ingredient in a magnificent cake, but that won't help you know that the cake was made for your mother, who's gone through hell and high water for you, and to say thank you for all her love and sacrifice. The recipe doesn't tell us the purpose. And so, back to Nicodemus, creeping around at night, restless, and he has taken an enormous vast, vast risk of going to visit a troublesome rabbi to ask him, yes, this scruffy provincial rabbi, something that is very important. I think we need to give a second for this to sink in. A ruler of the Jews wants to speak with Jesus. This ruler was a member of the Supreme Court of the Jews and he wanted to speak with Jesus. He was an aristocrat on his way to chat to a carpenter. Jesus, a homeless prophet. And this man has to talk to him. He is compelled to talk to him about his very soul. And that's why I admire him so much. The risk he took, the sudden realisation that something wasn't right in his life, wasn't right in his theology and thinking, and that he just had to try to get an answer, whatever the risk. The thing that he is stuck on is what it might mean to be born again, to start again. And you see, he's a literalist, he can't picture it. He can't picture an old man being literally born of a woman again. And in a way, I, I understand it is a difficult phrase, and it's a problem that the language of God, the language of salvation, isn't always up to the job. It's very hard to describe such things with the 
limited language that we have. When the divine comes into contact with the human, how on earth do we have words for such a thing? I think we're compelled often just to, to be silent. Jesus tells Nicodemus that you need to be born in the Spirit of God. And by that I think he means, I'm sure he means, just let yourself go. Get over yourself, we might say today. Don't worry about your rules. Let God do the work in you. Turn towards him and say yes. But my friends, how hard is it to say yes and how hard is it sometimes to let go? We cling on to our illusions of power and position. We cling on to all the things that we think will save us. Our brains, our titles, our jobs. And yet, as Jesus so poetically says, the born-again person is just like the wind blowing across a field, utterly and totally free. And this is liberating. I think that's what being born again is. It's not magic. It's not a secret society. And I suspect that sometimes we don't even know that it has happened. C.S. Lewis was born again on a bus on the way to Chessington Zoo. He described it as like passing over the border from one country to another. He knew something had changed and actually he described himself as the most reluctant convert because he knew that things would be asked of him and his life would not be the same. But this was his moment really when he looked back of being surprised by joy. In this exchange between Jesus and Nicodemus, we get to the big question and the big answer. And they are very valuable as we toil our way through the Lent. What is God like? And what is he for? I think the final part of this reading is one of the most moving and profound passages in all of the Gospels. The reason Nicodemus turned up was his soul was not at rest and he wanted it to be. And he gets the words that will allow him to live his life differently. God, we are told, loves the world and everything in it. I was once at a rather energetic Christian gathering and one of the leaders, a very well-known one, stormed onto the stage before we began and said something like this to all of us. God, he said, is repulsed by certain behaviours. He told us that he'd walked through Soho and that he knew that God would be as disgusted as he was by what he saw there. Ah, but let us go back to our Bibles. Let us challenge this unholy thought. Because we are told here, 
And Nicodemus is told that God so loved the world. Yes, of course, he wants us to be the very best version of ourselves we can be. Yes, we are ambassadors. And that implies a responsibility to love others, be kind, be slow to anger, and so on. And yes, we all wrestle with sin and need to come to God for his forgiveness and renewal daily. But Nicodemus heard something that night that changed his life. God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that everyone who believes in him should have eternal life. And that's what it is to be born again and to be saved, saved to and for God. Later, Nicodemus becomes one of the earliest followers of Christ and he's still taking risks. He rescues Christ's body and has it laid in a tomb. We don't know anything else about him. We don't know where his faith led him. But we see in his questions and Jesus' answer the very essence of the intellectual and emotional grounding of the faith. You can't work your way to God. It's all grace. And that's why St Paul made the following his life's work. Of course, he had a similar revelation to Nicodemus. And he says, I preach Christ and him crucified. And so do I. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray for the Ukrainian literary, performing and visual artists, both in the Ukraine and around the world whose creativity helps to highlight the injustices of the war 
and the devastation it has brought to the Ukrainian people. Their art cannot be stifled despite the threat and ravages of battle. We pray for the Ukrainian National Philharmonic Orchestra playing on despite power cuts. The musicians perform by the light of battery lamps. The audience is limited to 160. If the missiles start to fall, this is the number of those who can be rushed into the theatre's underground bunker for safety. We pray for the people of Northern Ireland. May democracy reign and the government govern. We pray for the people of Ireland and St. Bridget of Kildare, the patroness of Ireland. We pray for the people of Kildare and we appreciate the deepening friendship we are forming with the people of the town. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those working in the media who risk their lives to bring to light news of the humanitarian aid efforts in Turkey and Syria and in southern Italy. May peoples all over the world never feel that they can only escape persecution by succumbing to perilous journeys. We pray for the peoples of Palestine and Israel. May there be an end to the escalating violence and a settlement imbued with tolerance and understanding, respect and compassion. We pray for all those the world over suffering from bereavement, the loss of a loved one, be this through natural disaster, war, illness, criminal behaviour. One moment our friend, relative, father, mother, sister, brother, lover, child was there and then they were not. How we wished we could have said goodbye. Help people, dear Lord, to cope with the unbearable weight of grief. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our Christian community, we pray for our newcomers and those who pray in our pews regularly. May they never feel taken for granted. Worshipping as a community <clears throat> strengthens and gives life to our fellowship with you, dear Lord, and each other. We pray for the repose of the soul of Tom Corrigan, who died last week, and for the repose of the souls of Hugo Dunmail, Simon James, Sylvia Oates, Robert Seaton, John Harrison, Roy Chaplin, and Henry Nicholson, whose anniversaries of death fall this week. We pray for Emmanuel Adonigi. We pray for Alison, Jeff, and Steve, appreciating their sensitivity to our needs and fears. We pray for our choir, our staff, Claire and James and Jennifer, and our vergers, Robin and Adira. We pray for our Sunday school and our Sunday school leaders. 
We pray for all those faced with difficult choices in these challenging times, realising which road to take is a hard task. We think of Robert Frost's kindly poem, The Road Not Taken. He too has been faced with two roads diverging in a wood. He takes the road less travelled by and discovers that it has made all the difference. Perhaps he sensed your guiding light and found faith in its radiance. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us access to his grace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Almighty God, you see that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God. We thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
Christ, give you grace to grow in holiness, to deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow him, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.